0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And we're in our 20th year here on Voice America. I'm really happy to be with all of you. And want to introduce an incredible guest who I've known probably as long as I've done this program, actually. Uh, her name is Heather Dune McAdam. And she is an international bestseller of the book, Rena's Promise. She has another book we're talking about today as well, which is called 999, The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport of Auschwitz. So let me tell you a little bit about Heather and her amazing work as a writer over the years. Heather Dune Academy's first book was co authored with Rena cornwright Gellison, and it was Rena's Promise, a story of sisters in Auschwitz. Rena's Promise has been published throughout the world. Heather is the director of Rena, Rena's Promise Foundation, and she t- sits on the advisory board of the Cities of Peace, Auschwitz. She's also the producer director of the documentary film 999 the Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, and her work has been recognized by, by many museums around the world. She's been featured in many national outlets, and she's an amazing woman and a friend, and excited to have Heather on. Welcome, Heather. Thanks so much, Patricia. It's really yeah. lovely to be yeah. here. So, Well, you yeah. know, it's interesting. We We've been doing this the since, what, ninety. Five or something, uh, 94, yeah. 93, something like that. <laughs> so we have to tell the audience the backstory to this. Okay. So at the time I was living in the South, and you were working, I, w- I was seeing, I don't know, it was someone I was seeing and you were working there in the office and I met you and I started talking about the work I was doing on television because I was doing my, my television show then on a Fox affiliate. And you said, well, you know, you said, I've written this book with this amazing woman who's a Holocaust survivor. And I said, really? So we started talking and I, I met Rena. And I met with you, and I ended up interviewing Rena and you on my television program. And it was Rena's first television interview. Her first interview and and it, and it was. was so remarkable and and it was you know when we stayed close i've interviewed her since then i've interviewed her late husband and her children and you over the years so yeah. and just brought you to our synagogue to speak on the <laughs> Holocaust Memorial Foundation and that was on the commemoration so it's wonderful that we kind of have this history together
0: and yeah, it really is yeah,
1: beautiful yeah and serendipity you know, yeah, and Rena was one of those amazing women. So I want to go back with you. What, mm-hmm. you know, what brought you to writing her story? And I want to preface this by saying, knowing Rena, this would not have been written without you. I mean, you were her, you were the voice. I mean, you were the person who got her voice out. But what was mm-hmm. compelling for you? you? You know, you weren't from a survivor family. You weren't of the faith. What brought you to this? Um, what made you, you, know, you say, I've got to do it? It was Rena,
2: you know, I, I mean, I wanted to write, I had written another book and it was, it was, you know, really difficult material. It was about child abuse Um, and um, it hadn't gotten published, uh, but it had gotten some, uh, I had an agent that was really interested in my work and um, so I knew I could take on tough cop, uh, tough topics Um, and, you know, Meeting, Rena was just like, I mean, you met her. She was this incredible yeah. spirit. And, you yeah. know, you couldn't walk through the Fresh Market grocery store without um, her saying hi to every single person in the aisle. She knew the people behind the counters, she knew the people mm-hmm. at the registers. She was mm. really gregarious. And, um, but she was also, you know, like most women holocaust survivors of that age she was also very private and she had not talked about her story at all and mm-hmm. then in her 70s um she you know she was talking to a friend of hers she played tennis every morning with her husband and this, the woman who owned the club was a friend of mine and they ended up talking and her and my friend, our friend said, you should write a book. And and Rena said, well, if I knew somebody and and my friend uh, said, I do. And, wow! And you know, the moment we met, uh, it was like we were best friends. We wow. were just clicked. And, and I have to say, the other survivor that I just worked with for the new book, it was the same thing. I mean, I, you know. When you, you think of Holocaust survivors, you think, oh, you know, like these are old women, but really these are young women. <laughs> so, like mm-hmm. they, um, you know, Rena and Edith was the other survivor I worked very closely with. I mean, I worked with Edith in her 90s, but when I spoke to her, she was 17 years old. And that's how mm-hmm. old she was when she went to Auschwitz. And Rena, mm-hmm. you know, Rena was 20. And so, you know, we had, you're really. It's not like you're talking, you know, it, it, it's really like you're bonding with somebody who's much closer to your age uh, when you're a young person.
1: Yeah, so amazing. And and did you ever have any idea how this would spread the way it has? I mean, it went like wildfire all over the world. It's been a textbook, Rena's Promise, in, in yeah, some colleges. It, it, yeah, you know, it's, um,
2: I didn't, I I thought um I originally I wrote the book because I thought if I thought it needed to be done and if nothing else her family would have her story written down. And mm-hmm. then in the midst of working on it, um, you know, and I was working actually I was I was getting I was still an undergraduate and I was um getting my degree at Salem College in Winston, Salem and actually I had written this was like my um my senior thesis, Rena's Promise, was my senior thesis. I worked with the dean, Annette Allen, and she was worked like my editor. And I had a load of support from my teachers. I couldn't have done it without the support of of the college. And uh, I was very you know I was young. I was a young writer. I was doing some really difficult work. I was doing difficult research, and um, and you know it. Um, it was a very altruistic motive. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I just really felt like somebody needed to tell the story. And, and it was only, you know, I mean, I had never heard of the first transport. I didn't know that the first Jewish transport to Auschwitz was 999 young women. I had never, mm-hmm. ever heard of it. And so then that became, you know, it sort of became my banner. Like, why don't we know this? Why? Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: this,
2: it, it upset me. It upset me that I I had studied the Holocaust. I would read loads of literature. I had taken course in college. Nobody spoke about it, and mm-hmm. um, and you know one of my professors at Salem College, um, he loaned me a book uh, that was about women in the Holocaust, and there was a mention in there, and of of the first transport. But that's re- it was like a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And so to actually be sitting next to somebody and who was in Auschwitz for three years, longer than any Jewish man was there, mm. um, and to nobody, nobody had pinpointed this story, and um, and then you know we had almost twenty years between Rena's Promise and Nine Nine Nine, which is the new book, and. Um, and I really think the reason 999 sold and has done so remarkably well internationally, we're, we're in 16 countries, um, mm. is that uh, because of the Me Too movement. You know, women have been yeah. standing up and saying enough. And, and so people are sort of like, well, you know, were they sexually abused? And I'm like, well, you know, it, they may not have been physically sexually abused, but they were certainly mm. targeted yeah. as yeah. Um, as yeah. women, as young women. Um, for slave labor, and and they were um, psychologically abused, physically abused. Um, they were gynecologically examined. They, I mean, that's sexual abuse in my book. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, so you know, it's a really stunning story, and I think it's mostly stunning because we've ignored it for seventy five years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because you you wrote Rena's Promise. It's almost twenty years ago now, right? hmm And then in between you wrote other books, yes. Yep. Yeah. And then you wrote on 999. Now, Marina was in the first Jewish transport, so she was among these women. She but did. it, it yep, you know, it knew. was right. It, it what inspired you to write nine nine nine? Because you wrote it after Rena passed. Did you I use did. some of and the things you know, she talked the about? The
2: reason I ended up doing nine 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 First of all, I did it kicking and screaming. I really didn't want to write another Holocaust book. Writing Holocaust books is not something you go, oh, I have an idea, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this will be fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and you know the uh, I went actually. Um, it was the 70th anniversary of the first transport, which is, that's March 25th, uh, 1942. So I was actually living in Europe, um, and my mother had passed away, and I had sort of run away for a year. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now, uh, you know, my partner, um, we were, he's British, and we were living in England, and I realized that, you know, I could fly to Slovakia for, like, nothing. And, mm. um, and I said to uh, Simon, my partner, you want to go to Auschwitz with me? And um, we flew to Slovakia for the 70th anniversary, and we went to Poprad, this tiny little town in uh, northeastern Slovakia. Mm. And the plan was, and I had it all planned out, uh, we took a camera, we decided to film it, and I was blogging, which is like video blogging. I mm-hmm. was blogging, um, it's a Book had come out on the Kindle edition. It was the first year of Kindle. It had done really well digitally, and Amazon was running a um, promotion on it on the on that day mm. of, of the anniversary. And I got to Slovakia, which uh, you know there were ceremonies going on. The Prime Minister wow. of Slovakia. Was there. there were, I mean, and I. And, and people were like, what are you doing here? What's this, like, American blonde doing in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I wrote a book about one of these women, and nobody knew about my book because it had never been translated ah. into Slovak. And um, suddenly I felt like a rock star. <laughs> and, um, and, and probably the most amazing, well, definitely the most amazing thing. So I traveled with, I had a letter from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs that I, um, left at, there was a plaque, there was a plaque at the railway station. I left this letter, and with his letter, um, I had a list of women that I knew had been on the transport, and I had gotten this list, there was about 22 names on it, with the help of the USC Shoah Foundation, and with the help of Rena from writing Rena's Promise. So I, I knew women who had died in Auschwitz, and as far as I knew at that point, there was no... Comprehensive list of names. And one of the girls on that list, her name was Adela Gross, and she died in Auschwitz. Mm. And her Slovak surviving family came to the railway station and saw her name, and they contacted me. And Mm. we are talking 70 years later, they found out what happened to Mm. their cousin. Um, Actually, they would have been niece, she would have been their aunt. Um, in Auschwitz, and it was that moment um, that I cried just thinking about it that I went, oh my God, there are Mm -hmm. so many stories out there, and if I can help people have peace um, by bringing these stories into the light, um, you know, I mean, we don't have a death date for Adela. We never found, we were never able to unearth that, but... The family now knows how she went to the gas chamber, and and they know that um, she held her head high. She helped girls that were crying and weak and sobbing. You know, she had courage. Um, she was selected because she was beautiful, not because she was sick,
1: um, and, you know, they can carry that, you know? Hey, um, um, Heather? Yes? We have to break and jump in. It was great, and it's so important. Uh, we'll talk about it when we come back from break. All right. Thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back with um, Heather Dune-McAdam.
3: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
4: A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio Mondays at 4 pm. Eastern Time and 1pm. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere.
3: Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Geraci Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And I'm Patricia Raskin, and my guest is Heather Dune-McAdam. And we're talking about the Holocaust. We're talking about women, the extraordinary young women of the first official transport to Auschwitz. And she's written two books on this subject. Um, she's the author of the international bestseller, Rena's Promise. She's gotten tremendous um feedback and again Rena's Promise has been translated into different languages. It's been published throughout the world. Her first book was Rena's Promise, a story of sisters in Auschwitz Auschwitz, and she's the producer and director of the documentary film, which is also a new book, nine nine nine, The Extraordinary Young Women at the first official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz. Now, you know, I bet you get asked this question because, you know, you are blonde and a lot of a lot of us of the Jewish faith, of which I am, are not do people say to you, "Are you jewish and and I know that you 're not and then do they say, "Well, why would you write this book and get so involved if you 're not Jewish? Do you get that question um, i 've gotten a few times and, and one of my favorite
2: stories is that a woman who uh, she was actually the director of, um, of one of the uh, uh, of one of the holocaust museums and um, years ago, and she said what 's it to you and I went. And I looked oh. at her, I was sort of shocked, and I went, I'm a woman. I'm a human being. Yeah. I don't think you have yeah. to be Jewish to relate to the Holocaust. And, yes. um, and I, think probably, um, I think probably I'm able to come at it in a different way because I don't have the history. Um, so I can yes. delve into it in a deeper way because it's not personal. Um, mm-hmm. And whereas if it was my family mm-hmm. or my mother... Oh, God, you know, I couldn't do that. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's tough stuff. Yeah. And when you're really close it to is it, tough. it's very hard to write about, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I would agree with you. It's, uh, I mean, you just spoke at our synagogue and you were mentioning some of the, you know, the horrific things that people, were, women were put through. It was really painful to hear, you know, just yeah. painful to hear those stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So, I want to go back and ask, you know, kind of your perspective. I mean, you had talked before about the Me Too movement. How do you see this, you know, this book 999, The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, how do you compare that to the Me Too movement? Or how do you, where's the the tie-in? Yeah, so um
2: you know, this is a historical me too story and the fact is that you know, women young women especially are um you know, still targets of war and we are um you know, we <laughs> you look at the Yazidis, the Kurds, the Rohingya, you know, women are are always always targets in genocide and and first targets because if you want to destroy a race of people you re- you destroy Young women, right? They're going to be the future nurturers of the race, and and so um, that's that's definitely part of it. And but the Me Too movement brought awareness of women's rights and women's issues, and in terms of how we've been quiet, quieted, or silenced for so long. And and I say something very, you know, this is quite controversial, but you know, Holocaust history has been owned by men and um and the only really female voice that everybody knows is Anne Frank and she's mm-hmm. a teenager who you, we have a diary we don't know what happened to her in Auschwitz mm-hmm. and because of the work i've done we do know and mm-hmm. um and and i think that becomes really important because you know women you know the first transport the first jewish transport it was all young women we own the Holocaust history there, and um, and the fact that um, there are so many men that you know were there, but they were there for six to eight months, nine months. Mm. The women I work with were there for three years.
1: Mm. 1942. Mm. Wow, yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Now you know we talk about Rena. And we talked about how Rena was so um, effusive and positive, no matter what she went through. And, you know, there were lots of stories in the book where she escaped death, you know, by a hair, really. Um, You know, do, do you think that is what kept the women who stayed alive, not just Rena, but the other women in the 999 transport? Do you think what kept them alive was their attitude and their absolute will to live? I would say yes. I mean, there's a lot of luck involved
2: in here as well. But I remember saying to Edith, um, and Edith is the other survivor I worked with on this new book, I said to her, Edith, how come you don't suffer from depression? Yeah. And she said, you know, when you got to Auschwitz, if you, ha- if you, if you had it in you already, Whatever you know, psychological things you might have had, you that might never have been triggered if you didn't end up in a in a concentration camp or a death camp. But if you went through it and you had that little thing, you know, that little yeah. depression, then then it would trigger. And she said, and I didn't have it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but and and Patricia, you do not know this. Um, after Rena died, uh, I was given by John. Um, all of her papers and in those papers there was a report um, with a psychiatrist about how she was suicidal in the 60s and nobody in the family knew about it Mm -hmm. so you know uh, we can say you know Rena had a great sense of humor as did Edith but Edith Mm -hmm. says something really powerful she says we look normal but Mm -hmm. we're not Mm -hmm. yeah and that's really true (laughs) yeah. <laughs> you know, the,
1: I you can, I really you know, can understand that. Yeah,
2: well, like comedians, it's like you know, you know, Robin Williams. You know, uh, you know, there 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 is a darkness inside of 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 the jokes, mm-hmm. and um, and and it's it's important to embrace both. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, and and I think it's in a way, it's kind of amazing. Think about it. If you aren't depressed after that. Think about yeah. that experience. Yeah. How couldn't I you be? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Very interesting. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is that if you were not predisposed to depression already, then you had a better chance of of not experiencing it afterwards if it wasn't kind of in your in your code in a way. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's, um, that's but, what but that how many people, saying. Definitely. But how many people didn't have that? I mean, that's... Yeah. You know, I, mean, I mean, you know, it took a great deal, as,
2: as um, Linda Brader says, who's one of the women in, in the book, um, you know, it took a great... It, you, dying was really easy in Auschwitz, right? Living was hard. So it took willpower not to grab the electric wires, and electrocute yourself when you were hungry or you'd been beaten or your sister had died. You know, it took a great deal of energy. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it, that's, that's a real, you had to want to live to live in Auschwitz. You had to want to live.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you, if you read Ellie Weisel's material... Right. Where he talks about I think it was it was Ellie Oisel who said, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was um, I'm sure he said it, too. I'm thinking of Viktor Frankl, who said what kept him alive was seeing his family in his mind's eye and seeing the love he had for his wife and his children, even though they were gone. That's what kept him going was that connection that he kept making.
2: That's not what. That's not what. I mean, Rena had that with her mother. She sort of held her mother as a, as a vision for her. Um, Edith, um, Edith did not speak like that. So I think you know, surviving is individual, and I think that's one of the reasons why, nine 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 is such an interesting book because I pull together. Multiple testimonies, and you know, we have very orthodox girls who would never steal a thing, and then we have other girls that would steal food from each other, and you know, it, it's surviving is as individual as the human 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 nature, and um, and I think that that uh, yeah, I I I think we have to embrace that. I don't think there's one formula code for surviving.
1: Right. Yeah yeah it's pretty amazing to me, but you also said there's luck involved, so you said you know just to, yeah. well, uh, you know, just in terms of being in the right place at the right time or being in the wrong place at the wrong time, correct absolutely,
2: yeah, I mean Edith talks about um you know they've just come in from roll call and they've finished work for the day and and they're alive right they 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 at this point they're you know to get into camp at the end of the day. the the thumb can select you for the gas and Edith walks through the gate, she's safe. And the girl behind her, one of the SS, you know, she hears them speaking German and go, oh, we're we're one down for our quota. They had to kill so many people a day and Mm -hmm. they grab the girl behind her and she goes to the gas. I mean, that's how random it was. You know, you could just be the quota. And and it doesn't mm. matter how positive you are. And I just read another, um, you know, for the documentary I'm going through uh, new. I, I've actually found some other survivors since the book came out. The families have been contacting me, and um, and there's a wonderful scene where uh, Dr. Mengele, um picks, you know, this young woman to die, and and. He turns his back, and she steps into the other section, and he sees her, and he turns around, and he says, and he goes, not today, tomorrow, and she survives. Yeah. But, wow. you know, it's like, that, I mean, it's like, wow. it's
1: a crapshoot, wow. right?
2: Yeah, could have shot Amazing.
1: Her. All right, we're going to take another break, Heather, and we come back and talk more about, you know, this, the extraordinary young woman of the First Official Jewish transport to Auschwitz, 999, and also about Rena's promise. And how these women survived and you know, what their lives turned out like after this, after this amazing experience. They were very young women and what you've learned about them since. You're listening right. to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice, we'll be right back.
3: Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for behind the scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though, so this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known join host troy bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens troy discusses the careers and past present and future projects from these artists and if there's time in each show you just might hear some performance gems as well listen for prince among queens every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn.
1: Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest is Heather Doon McAdam. She's the author of the international bestseller Rena's Promise and the extraordinary young Women of the first official Jewish transport to Auschwitz. And she is a prolific writer. She co authored with Rena Cornrich Gallison Rena's Promise, The story of sisters in Auschwitz, which has been published throughout the world. She's the director of the Remus Promise Foundation, and she sits on the advisory council and board of the cities of Peace, Auschwitz. She's also the producer-director of the documentary film 999, The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, which is now a book. Her work has been recognized by many museums around the world, many national uh, newspaper outlets, and you can log on to 999themovie.com. Welcome back, Heather. All right, Heather, here's my question for you. The women that you interviewed, you know, Mm -hmm. that were, some of them may have died, some of them are still alive in their 80s, 90s, how did it affect their life? What kind of life did they end up having? Well, probably the most interesting
2: thing that people don't realize is that, um, so most of the girls that were on the first transport uh, were teenagers. And, and there were many more teenagers than I originally thought because I discovered um, just in the past year that there are typos. Um, and, you know, one little digit can change somebody's age by a decade. And that happened quite a bit on the list. Um, so we did find a list, a complete list, um, at Yad Vashem in uh, Jerusalem of every young woman who was on this transport. And um, And so, you know what people don't realize is that many of these girls went back to high school because they finished high school. And I have an amazing picture in the book. We have 42 photographs in the book that came from families all over the world. And I have actually been able to find photographs of girls who died in Auschwitz Mm. from the first transport, as well as those who survived. And, and for me, that's a huge memorial, but, you know, one of my favorite photos is Bertha Berkowitz with Lenka Grunwald, and they're standing there. I mean, they look like teenage girls. They are teenage mm. girls. They're holding books, and they are going back to school. Mm. And um, Edith, um, Edith uh, let's see, Edith had tuberculosis, so she ended up in a sanatorium for a couple of years. She didn't finish her high school um, she didn't graduate from high school until she was in her early twenties and she finished her um, college work and her graduate work when she was I think she was twenty seven she graduated from college um, so you know Edith the probably the hardest part for her cause she's super super intelligent um, she wanted to be a doctor um, you know that she didn't get to do one of the biggest things for her was being robbed of education and mm. that was the law if you were a Jew you were not allowed to be educated past the age of 12 um or wow. 14 in Slovakia and and so you know going back to school was really really important for a lot of these young women mm-hmm. because they had it had been robbed from them and mm. and then others you know within months you know a lot of these women uh, I know a couple of them met their husbands on their train home from the POW mm-hmm. camps, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. not POW, from the concentration camps, and, um and the displaced persons camps, and uh, they, you know, there's so many stories of, you know, looking over and seeing this nice Jewish boy who was in Bergen-Belsen, and, and mm. you know, the next married. So many of them started families. Um, I do not know a single girl from the first transport who did not have a miscarriage or have trouble. Wow. wow. Um,
1: did, they, is, did they stay married, these people, most of them that met in that circumstance? Did their marriages everybody last? that I
2: know did. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no divorces in the bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know. Um, I know of one who ended up in a mental institution um, and in and out, uh, and had, um, she died fairly young, uh, but, uh, all of them stayed married, and, um, you know, I, I I don't know if that speaks to, um, who they are, their husbands, or, or just the culture of the time, um, certainly divorce is more popular these days than it was in their generation, but I, you know, I think, I think their husbands were, um, very, very committed to these these young
1: women. Well, um, we saw that with Rena and her husband.
2: Absolutely, she, yeah. She and the same scared. with Edith and her husband, Ladislav. Ladislav Grossman is a very, very famous a writer. He won an Oscar in 1967 uh, for his uh, Best Foreign Picture, which was uh, the, um, the Shop on Main Street, an amazing, amazing Holocaust film. First, the first sort of um, Holocaust film that was ever uh, a narrative film. And, um, you know, and he was by her side throughout her, you know, stay in the sanatorium for three years, and she ended up being a cripple. Um, and she said to him, she said, uh, you know, a new bride, and she can't bend her leg um, anymore because of TB. They had to fuse her leg. And she says, um, you know, what? how can a young husband, what will you do with a crippled wife? And he said, if your soul limped, I would be worried. Mm. Wow. What an amazing so incredible. statement Aren't that is. Aren't they beautiful? They're just mm. amazing young women. You know, they just, there's such a resilient spirit there. Mm. And um, and I'm so very proud to know them and have them in my lives. You know, I I feel them when I talk about them. Edith died last year. Edna Newman died last year. (laughs) Ella um, Ruttman died last year. Um, So there are today left alive of the first transport five women, Um, and uh, three of them have dementia um, or physical ailments, so they cannot be interviewed. I have their stories. And then there are two who I have interviewed for the film, and uh, one's in New York and one is in Sydney, Australia, and you know, I just—it's—it's it's incredible. I mean, I have this amazing, um, amazing gift in my life to be a part of. You know, I have lots of old ladies in my life, and they're all in their nineties. <laughs> they're all oh. in their nineties. <laughs> they're just beautiful.
1: Yeah, isn't that something? That really is. Mm. Wow, you know, it takes your breath away a little bit. So we have a few minutes before break. How has all this impacted you uh, mm-hmm. in terms of your own life? It's changed my life so much. You know, I,
2: um, for me, I spent a lot of time feeling lost and not knowing what I, had, what I should do with my life. I wrote Rena's Promise, and it felt like I had really found a guiding a guiding post and then and then i didn't want to keep doing the work um, i you know i I think I felt burned out from holocaust um, mm. and I wanted to write fiction, I wanted to do something sexy and funny or mysterious, I wanted to do something with my art um, and then and then I came back to holocaust, and um you know it's it's just really important work and i feel really um i feel really i hate that word blessed but i feel blessed i feel i feel like you know it's a real honor to be able to do this work and um mm. and to mm. help lost mm. girls be found be found yeah. by you be found by your audience uh be found in their family
1: yeah yeah that's that's remarkable, really and truly, yeah. And you know, and you kept it on. I mean, you you certainly Rena was your introduction to the first transport, but then you went much further than that. So you've met a lot of amazing women. What about the effects on the grandchildren and the great grandchildren and the children? You know, you also got to meet the children of these women. What about the effects on them?
2: I think the effects on children is much different than grandchildren. Um, you know, if if if, um, if you survive something really horrible and you're raising children, chances are you are going to have some issues raising children. And I know Rena um, was, you know, um, super, 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 super high alert. Um, you know, she was telling me a story once that, her children were playing in the front yard, and she looked out, and they weren't there. And they had gone across the street to play in a pond with a bunch of the other neighborhood children. And she ran out of the house screaming and made them all get back in the yard. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I heard her tell me. I said, wow, Rena, you know, I played in a pond every day of my life. You know, it was my mother never... You know, my mother never did that, but my mother was never in Auschwitz. (laughs) And um, so, you know, having a parent who survived trauma and has post-traumatic stress disorder in a time when there was no treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder, nobody even Mm -hmm. knew what it was, it's going to be very different. Grandchildren are super, super proud of their grandparents and, um, yes, more remote and have a real, um, they have very, very special relationships with their grandparents. And I hear lovely stories of, um, grandchildren sitting with their grandparents and and their grandmothers and, and listening to their stories. Um, and, uh, you know, the other day, well, I guess last month, we had a little reunion, um, a Zoom reunion with, um, with, our, uh, with some of the families, and it was, all, it was all children who showed up. And at the very mm-hmm. end of the Zoom reunion, a granddaughter showed up, and the moment she saw everybody, she began weeping uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the... The, it was so beautiful because all of the women were like, "Oh, are you okay?" And you know, and trying to take care of her. She's like, "Oh my mm. God, I can't believe you!" I, you know, it was so. I get chills just thinking about it. Mm. It was really, really beautiful. And and um, and I heard a wonderful statement by a young uh, uh, granddaughter in um, in Israel, and she said, "You know, my grandmother was an everyday hero." Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, these girls were everyday heroes. They didn't do Mm -hmm. anything, you know, like anybody's going to give them an award for it, but they did something amazing. They had families.
1: On that note, we're going to take a break. The everyday heroes of these amazing women of the book that Heather has now written, another book, 999, The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Transport, Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, and then also uh, the international bestseller of Rena's Promise. So we're going to take a break and we'll come back with Heather right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back.
3: Talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
4: Today our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety.
4: Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-List. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Author of two international best selling books and other books as well. And the first book that she wrote, which is when I met her, she co authored with Rena Kornreich Gallison, which was really Rena's story. And it was called Rena's Promise The Story of Sisters in Auschwitz. Rena's Promise has been published throughout the world. Heather is also the director of Rena's Promise Foundation, and she sits on the board of Cities of Peace Auschwitz. She's also the producer and director of the documentary film 999 The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, which is now a book. Her work has been recognized by many museums throughout the world, many newspaper outlets and magazines throughout the world as well, and you can log on to 999 the movie or 999 the first women of Auschwitz on Facebook. All right, and it's Heather Doom McCann. Welcome back, Heather. Thanks. All right. Question. And here's a toughie. Of everything that you've heard, I mean, you listen to thousands, probably just pages and pages over many years. What was the toughest thing for you to hear and to absorb?
2: Um. That would probably go back to Rena telling me about um, watching children go to the gas chamber, and um, and I say that because that was the first time that I heard that a story like that, and it impacted me, you know, very viscerally. Um, I felt really screwed up from it for days afterwards, and um, and it is a moment when she lost her faith in her um, in her God. And and she was watching children going to the gas chamber, and she prayed, um, you know, dear God, you know, please smite just one of these SS and show us that you haven't forgotten us. And it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, the children were walking by, and they were smiling, and they had little toys. And it was an no. orphanage with five hundred children. And in, in and when when Rena's promise came out. Um, I called Rena up. We both gotten our books in the mail, and I called her to see how she was. And she was crying, and she was so happy. And um, she was like, "Oh my God, I'm holding my book! I'm holding my book!" And I said, "Rena, I just want you to know, um, I know it's a little late, but I think God's finally answered your prayer."
1: And yeah. she said, "I think you're right, hmm. and because, we, of the book. Yeah. because of the book, because of the book." because she was, was able fans. to then share it and yeah. get the story out.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that Ugh. sort of goes back to my work, you know, like it, it, there's a larger purpose. It, it has very little to do with me. <laughs> it yeah. has much more to do with bringing peace and, um, and uh, expanding awareness and, uh, like I said, finding lost yeah.
1: girls. Yeah. And I um, I see that in you. Of course, I've known you also, but I also see that, that it, it really is about a much higher purpose for you. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's what life is for, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, talk about maybe some of the things that you've heard from survivors or children or grandchildren that have brought them tremendous joy, things that they have so appreciated because they've lived and been able to pass them on. Mm.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, probably the biggest, um, the biggest part of this whole story, and it goes back to what I was saying in, in the very beginning about Adela Gross. Um, you know, Adela, um, Adela Gross is this beautiful redhead. Um, Rina knew her in the town that she was in, in Slovakia. Edith, um, knew her, um, and Edith's sister was best friends with Adela's sister, and um, and that uh, that coming together from Rena to Adela, to the and meeting the Gross family. I mean, I have been dubbed an honorary Gross member of the family. I've met all of Adela's um, nieces and nephews. I think all of them. Um, I have met her cousins. I have um, family footage from Slovakia in 1936 that we use in the movie. Um, and I was actually at the Holocaust Museum watching this footage and suddenly I recognized Edith's husband as 10 years old and I had mm. seen his sister and I texted Edith's son and I said, "Is this your dad? <laughs> this is this you, right?" And he went that's not, that's not just my dad, that's my granddad next to him, and he wow. had never seen this film. And it was film that had been donated by, a, you know, the Klein family, who's related to the Gross family. I mean, and suddenly, you know, we were all in conversation with them as well. And, um, and you know, it's just this huge, incredible loop. If you had told me um, when we did our first interview that I would one day have a photograph of Adela Gross, um, that I would know her... <laughs> that I would write a book with Adela's sister-in-law, posthumous sister-in-law, Edith mm-hmm. Marys, in, into the Gross family. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, it's just like, it's, I, I mean, <laughs> I can't even, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And that I have it just, met it her husband who walked together. her to the transport, who was four years old when he walked Adela to the transport and never saw her again. I have sat next to him and held his hand and listened to his story.
1: Hmm. Oh, all right, closing thoughts Edible. for us. What do, you, what, do you want, what do you want to leave our listeners with? What's your message? What's your Well, messages? my
2: message is the Holocaust um, is about horrible stuff, but um, that is not why we return to it. We return to it so we can be reminded of not just the horrors, but the gifts of humanity. That you know, it's what I always say. Um, it was the worst in people that um, that brought Rena and Edith and all of these young women and you know everybody to Auschwitz and the Holocaust. but it was the best in people that allowed them to survive mm-hmm. and those survivors their their job as survivors was to speak and tell the story and our job because they are now just leaving us. <laughs> Uh, you know, our task is to continue that work, and to mm-hmm. speak their truth, and to remember that it is love and it
1: is caring and compassion that makes this world not a look- Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Beautiful. You can uh, write to Heather, uh, Heather Do mcadam the author of 999, The Extraordinary Young Women of the First Official Jewish Transport to Auschwitz, and also co-author of Rena's Promise, A Story of Sisters in Auschwitz. You can certainly log on to 999themovie.com, and they can write to you from there in that portal, correct? Okay. Thank you you so much, Heather, for being on the program. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you. It was really insightful and inspiring. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you do. Yes. All right. Um, That wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources. If you'd like to get a copy of my newsletter so you can see all of the amazing guests I have on, write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. And also write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com if you're thinking of doing your own podcast because I help people do them. And I'm going to be speaking at the podcast festival soon about podcasting. So very excited about that. All right, everyone. Be, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.